Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you just entered the database. And for today's issue, I want to talk about the Torah's view of the concept we have in American culture known as freedom of speech. This is the First Amendment, and what the Torah's view exactly is of this concept. What does the Torah have to say about freedom of speech? Now, the answer to this question may be fairly simple and fairly obvious, perhaps even almost self-explanatory. Nonetheless, we're going to maybe go through the verbal motions to explain it anyway. But I wanted you to consider this conversation as more of an exercise about how we think hashkafically about ourselves and the culture around us and our relationship with the culture around us. So what do I mean? So I'll get to that really soon. Let's just first thank our sponsors. We have Anonymous, Lea Nishmas, Shmuel Malcolm and Ari Levin, Lea Bas Avram, who's in Shemeshav and Aliyah. And we have second-time sponsorships from Yonah and Chani Laster. Anyone else who wants to sponsor, like these individuals graciously did, so you can reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. Um, again, we know that we have this concept in American culture, and this is always a subject of debate um, in terms of um, what, what consists of freedom of speech. Are there kinds of speech that are not okay? Hate speech, all these different things that you hear flying around nowadays. And we're not going to have that debate because that's not really what any of this is about. This is really about the Torah's perspective. And what I think is always important, whatever political side you find yourself on, right, whatever, whatever side of the political aisle you are on, we always have to, as, as, as Yerei Shemayim and as religious, orthodox um, Yerei Shemayim, as Jews, our responsibility is to be able to step aside from whatever our political leaning is and to be able to say, okay, yeah, but um, as, as a Jew, if, I, if I'm answering not as an American or as whatever else, whatever, whatever, whatever country you're from, whatever your culture is, not answering as an American, not even answering as an Israeli necessarily, but answering as a Yarei Shemayim who cares about the Ratzon Hashem as is expressed by his Torah and as is as understood by Chazal and the post. Right? So with that said... If it wasn't you know, abundantly clear from the Torah, at least when it comes to the concept of freedom of speech, the very basic answer to the question of the Torah's view of freedom of speech is that there is no such thing as freedom of speech in the Torah. Right. So, you know, you can be and, and, and again, going back to whatever side of the political aisle you are on. Right. And, um, you know, it used to be, um, you know, freedom of speech was defended by one side. Then it was later defended by the other side. It doesn't really matter. But the question of what am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? So, you know, they talk about shouting fire in a, in a crowd, things like that. I'm not really getting to the specifics, but usually when we talk about freedom of speech nowadays, um, and I think the, the original intention is um, the freedom of expression, the freedom of you know expressing yourself, you know even if it's going to offend somebody, um, but you're you're entitled to your opinion, you're allowed to express your opinion, and no no and no one can do anything in terms of legislation to keep you from expressing yourself. Now. All of this can be true in American culture, 
that you should be allowed to say something. Or, for example, let's say someone walks into your store, right? You're, um, you know, you, so you, um, you, know, you, you own a store, and someone walks in wearing a T-shirt that has a swastika on it, which is highly, highly offensive. Um, and you can obviously make the choice to serve them or not serve them. But in terms of their, their, their right to express themselves, they're not violating anything by wearing that swastika on them. You know, if, if they're, you know, anything like that. So for, um, from freedom of expression, that's something that they should be allowed to do. Now, we t- and now and in, in nowadays, there's there's a discussion about hate speech and things like that, or if speech can ever be violence. So not really hitting on that either. Um, you know, we could talk about words of incitement to incite violence, but just words that offend a person. So maybe in American culture, the First Amendment allows for something like that, but in Torah, that's certainly not the case. So, for example, we just came out of Parshas Tazria and Mitzora, which is um, largely about Sarah's, which we spoke about in our um, our Lashon Hara Real Talk Torah. We were, able to, we were talking about the struggle and how we can combat Lashon Hara, but the the basic understanding and also the, the pasuk in this week's parsha, Parshas Kedoshim, Evachrim as Kedoshim this week, Lo It's very very clear that you can't just say whatever you want. And we also, in this week's Parsha, we have the Isra of Ona'as Dvarim, right? Saying something that's going to offend someone, reminding someone of their past. There's Moshe Shemra, there's Rechilas, there's Lashon Hara, Malbim Pnei Chavir, Rabin, speaking Sheker, right? Like, who, who speaks MS nowadays anyway? You know, ever like, you know, there's Sheker all over the place. You know, they, the MS is much harder to come across nowadays. But what's the point? The point is that if you expressing an opinion um, so if it's about another person, certainly if it's about another person, you're offending a person. If it's if it's a broader statement, so maybe yes, maybe maybe via haftalareacha kamocha would preclude you from doing such a thing if you know it's going to offend somebody. But for you to express your opinion, we'll talk about expressing your opinion in a second. But saying a word that's going to hurt someone else's feelings. So in quote unquote free country that is America, that that's something that would probably be allowed, but. In the Torah, in the Torah, that kind of thing is not allowed. And so, what, why do I bring this up? Like, well, like, well, where, where are we trying to go with this conversation? So, yes, there are things that are religiously not allowed, but you know, the when ta- when, we, when we are talking about ourselves as Americans, for example, so you can have a different opinion, you know, coming from your American culture versus. The Torah perspective, like yes, of course, according to the Torah, it's usher to um, to hurt someone's feelings, right? But and this is really something that you hear all the time. You hear about separating between church and state, but you know, for the purposes of this shear, we'll say synagogue and state, right? Because that that's that that's how we think in American culture. You know, you, um, it would be religious tyranny, so to speak to superimpose your religious beliefs onto somebody else, right? We have the freedom of religion in American culture. But if you think about it, by the Torah standards, really, that which is considered, quote-unquote, religious tyranny in maybe American culture, right, that's something that is just baseline the halachic way in Judaism. Not only that, you find that you um, that specifically we don't really have such a differentiation between 
um, again, this concept of synagogue and state. But it's all one. You have a bezdin, right? And the bezdin is actually supposed to enforce halacha. We even have a concept of kafiyah b'mitzvah. So if a person is not doing the mitzvah he's supposed to do, a person says, I'm not going to take Lulav and Esrog, and bezdin's around to know about this, so they'll actually force him. They will superimpose the halacha on him that he's going to have to do the mitzvah. And if he doesn't listen, let's say it's a dinder abanan. So there's a concept of the makas mardus. If he's if he could be found guilty for that, so there's a rabbinic lashing of this individual. And there are many sources, uh, many many midrashic sources, just to suggest that there's really um, a, a a fusing between again synagogue and state. This idea that. You know, think the the religious aspect of life and also the way you conduct yourself, these are all one and the same, right? So, for example, you have the, um, the Mizbeach, for example, is mentioned next to the court laws. You find this in, uh, in, um, in Parshish Yisro at the very end, between Yisro and Mishpatim. And there are other such sources. But what's the point? The point is that a Jewish life, a, you know, the religious Torah way, is a way that does not see these as two disparate entities. Right, so that, um, that, that, oh yeah, like, you know, if, if you're a religious guy, you do this, and, you know, if you're, so, yeah, if you're a religious person, so, um, free speech is not a real thing, um, and maybe, the, again, to express your political opinions, one thing, but to say something that's going to hurt another person's feelings, to say whatever you want, um, and to, to express something, you know, that, that, that would not be okay, and if you're, to say that, oh yeah, in, in religious law, it means this, and, in in regular culture, you know, the regular world, so, you know, that, 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 like, this is something that would be okay. Because in the Torah ideal, there would be a Sanhedrin, there would be a Beisden who would be enforcing all of these things, and yeah, you could say, oh yeah, but what about freedom of choice? Yeah, that, that, that's, it's your choice to do whatever you're going to do, but Beisden will get involved and, and enforce the Halacha, right? This is something that we don't really have a flavor for anymore, um, but when we daven for the base of this to be rebuilt and for the Sanhedrin to be restored, Hashiva Shafinu Kuveri Shona, so that's essentially what we're asking for. It's something that we're not culturally um, accustomed to, but it's something that exists. And how about in terms of a person's opinions or his machshava, right? Um, what about, you know, we, we talk a lot about the thought police, how you're not, forget that you can't say whatever you want, but you can't even think what you want. Right, so does the Torah have a feeling on that kind of thing? So again, Torah values and American values are not the same. There are things, you know, you might call someone, you know, um, a snowflake for, for being offended by something and say, hey, get over it. And maybe, you know, on their end, they should get over it and stop, and, you know, stop complaining about being offended, right? It's, it's not good to victimize yourself. And we did actually have times in the Gemara where you will see that, Tanoim, Amarayim, where it would throw what, what looks like very harsh insults at each other. And they, that's its own separate discussion, how to, how to relate to that, because it seems that they were doing things that are openly, you know, offending other people. But it's, it seems, you know, at least in their time, they were able to, quote-unquote, get over it. But that might speak to, you know, the, the, the victim of the insult. But in terms of us and being sensitive... If you want to say that, you know, your political opponent is being overly sensitive, I mean, it could be true, but that's not, that, that should, in the Torah way, is that that's not, that should not be on your cheshbon. And your cheshbon should be, what, what, what should I be saying? Is, something that, is this something that's going to hurt another person's feelings, chas Am I going to be malvin I'm going to embarrass someone in public. 
right? Like the, that that's on our cheshbon. It's not on our cheshbon to say, oh, well, he shouldn't be offended by it because of this reason. You know, he's 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 just being, you know, he's just being a baby, right? That, that, that that's not how it works in the Torah way, right? That there are just things that are different between the cultures, and not just the cultures, but the but the the Torah way, the way of life, the the law is different, obviously, and. In the Torah ideal, my point again is that we wouldn't have this differentiation between religion and and um, you know a, a, the religious observance and religious experience versus the social experience and what 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 American law is. These two things wouldn't be different, right? And going back to that point on religious tyranny, right? That that's something that you would have people today saying. Yeah, that that's something you know that people superimposing their religion that's 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 evil, but that is actually the Torah way and what we call evil, what we call moral, what we say about the hashkafa about hate. Remember, we've had other other episodes of this podcast where we talked about the Torah's view of hate, where that's something that seems like it's taboo today to uh, to uh, to be considered. Um, a way of life. There are people that are very anti-hate, but there are certain things that the Torah hates. There are certain things that the Torah considers abominable. There are certain things that the Torah says are not to be tolerated. Right? That, that these these are um, these are not um, intrinsically foreign to Torah. Now you might say that kaas is a problem in Torah. Maybe it will differentiate between hatred and and getting angry, even though the the two might sort of be related. But the, but this the, but this concept of um, a, this similar concept of that which someone might refer to as religious tyranny, right? We we um, you know we were making um, a point um, in the in the Hanukkah podcast about how this is you know the 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 freedom of the Hanukkah story was not merely oh just getting out of the hands of religious tyranny because it was it was it was not just freedom to practice however I want it was specifically the fight to restore the Jewish religion which itself. Has uh, which itself has strict laws that are not always too forgiving for the individual who is just making a quote-unquote free choice not to observe. Meaning, the these same individuals who will say that oh yeah, Hanukkah is about fighting religious tyranny, um, the, the, they are majorly wrong in the sense that that which they don't like about um, this concept of religious tyranny is something that. By their bill, they would have to describe the Torah life the same way, and 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 people make this big mistake of thinking. And we said this in the past that Hanukkah is about freedom um, to just practice however you want, right? That's what Hanukkah is about, and it's not. Hanukkah is about Jewish religious experience. It's a, it's about the fight and the mysterious nefesh for that. But that th- that also speaks to how we should be thinking as Jews. Um, and even if we're American Jews, but that our standard is different. And I think this is one of the things that becomes very concerning um, when we fall into the bog of American politics, which is another topic that we've addressed in multiple podcasts. And that is that because of our culture, because of the political affiliations that we have, we sometimes don't always frame our hashkafa based on what the Torah way is, but we frame our Ashkafa based on American values and the amendments in the Bill of Rights and, and, and the American legal statutes and all of these different things that are not intrinsic 
to what our neshama holds true and dear. Even if there might be overlap, right, and you, you can have a debate about which political, um, you know, which American political side um, tends more um, and favors more of the religious Jewish experience, but neither one of them actually fully does. And this is something, again, that's also important. What, you know, even within the, the opinion about abortion, the way Halacha views that is not necessarily the same as the way um, I'm a conservative right-winger and you'd be you'd be surprised about the disparity that you'll find between that. Now, obviously, it's, uh, it's the the disparity is even greater, perhaps, um, on political left um, on this issue. And you know, and it, and it could and it could be that that would be the case. And you might still have a political leaning. And the question of how do you decide what you're who, who you're voting for? Another topic that came up in, in in previous podcasts. But again, the reason I bring this up is that if you look at things from a purely American way that will serve you only in terms of your political American debate with another person. And, we, we, and those can get very fiery. But if that happens and you forget the Torah way, and then you misrepresent the Torah way, so that, that becomes you know, concerning, right? Because not, not, not necessarily every political expert is necessarily um, um, as well-versed as they should be in the Torah way. And the Torah might be, quote-unquote, more oppressive then your American political comfort would, um, you know, would, would be okay with. And in a certain sense, you might say that all of us are very sensitive um, and, you know, we, we would be faint-hearted against the Torah way. And maybe that's something that we have to work on. But we have to train ourselves as much as possible to try to think like Yerei Shemayim. If something happens in the American world, so... You can say, okay, well, this is what maybe a political right-winger would say. Here's what a political left-winger would say. And now putting all of those aside, well, does the Torah have a hashkafa? Is there a halacha reflected in the Torah that has a statement on this matter, that has an opinion on this matter? And when it comes from the Torah, obviously, it's factual um, you know, you know, to, the, to the degree that we understand that the Torah way is reflection of the Ratzon Hashem and the consensus of Poskin would have to be a, a similar reflection of that Ratzon Hashem so then it doesn't get more objective than that. So the, the, the point, once again, is that whatever your feeling is on any of these issues, so we, today we just, you know, we focused mostly on the example of freedom of speech. So the... You know, the aspect of, of speech, you can't really just say whatever you want according to the Torah. There's a bunch of things that you are not allowed to say. And th- this is even in private conversation. Forget how, um, forget what you display to the world around you. Even when it comes to machshava, there, you know, the, it's usher to be a heretic. Now, you, you might say, how do, you, how do you work on your intellectual understanding of something? You know, you don't, you don't like the thought police. But guess what? The Torah has, um, you know, there's a whole institution of bringing a carbon ola for Hure Avon or Hure Avera or Machshavara, you look in the the, the Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva. He has a whole section where he just focuses on doing Teshuva, not just for Averis that you committed, but for Machshavara. You need a Tahara process for just the wrong kinds of thoughts. Now you, you know in, in American life that that's you know that that's unheard of. I mean, you have people trying to influence people's thoughts, and every and and people are you know getting um, oppressive about that. But th- that's an area where you where, where you'd be like, hey, you know, you're you're very um, invasive, and the Torah is invasive. 
If you, if you want to be brutally honest, the Torah is invasive. The Torah is supposed to be something that governs your every act, your every step, your every gesture, and your every thought. And a person who has the right chesh bonus, a person who's working on his midos, is literally, not literally, he's figuratively weighing out each one. And that, that is because the Torah weighs that there are certain hashkafas that, that, are, that are incorrect to have. And if you don't have the right hashkafa, so an important question to ask yourself is what would it take for me to have the right hashkafa, right? If you just stop it at, um, you know, like, no, this is just my opinion. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm free to my opinion. I'm free to express my opinion. So the answer is not so fast. You know, you can have maybe an initial gut opinion, but if it's not the right hashkafa in Torah, you have to ask yourself, what would it take for me to, to have the, the, the appropriate hashkafa, as oppressive and as invasive as that sounds, what would it take for me to have the hashkafa that is in line with, um, you know, with, with, with Torah, that that's in line with the consensus of poskim? And you can, you know, there, there, there's room for machlokas in, in hashkafa as well. And you have rabbanim who will have machlokas in, in hashkafa. And that, that can be okay. Right, not not necessarily every dissenting view means that you're a kofar, and I'm gonna, so I don't I don't want you to get that idea, and I don't want you to get the idea that you're not entitled to any kinds of opinions. But there are opinions out there that we're like, you know, the Torah doesn't believe in your truth versus my truth. The Torah does believe maybe in multiple truths. Sometimes we have the concept of elu elu divrei elokim chayim, and that's why you can have a machlokas, a machlokas l'shem shemayim of different poskim and different rabbanim having different hashkafas, different opinions on a matter. And that can totally exist. But, but a person who's, who has heretical views, so, or, you know, we, we know the Torah governs our emotions as well. There's a time that you're commanded to be simcha, and if you don't have that feeling, you have to think about what would it take to generate the feelings of simcha, right? You have to have simcha on Yom Tov, so what do you do? What if you're not feeling it? So the Rambam says, so, you know, do something that's going to make you happy. You know, uh, um, you know, for the kids, you get them candies. For, for the women, you get them clothing. You know, um, the gender norms, right? Um, and a whole separate discussion. But the point is that you're supposed to do something that's going to help engender that feeling. And when it's Tisha B'Av, you're supposed to try to uh, try to generate the feeling of sadness. And when you are, uh, you know, wh- whatever it is, we have to es Hashem We have in this week's parsha, we have to But we have we have to es Hashem You have to love Hashem. You don't love Him. Well, what would it take for you to love Him? And you have to try to go through the motions to get you there. And the same thing is true with hashkafa. And we, you know, we, we try to, you know, if, if you have a hashkafa that is openly against the Torah way, maybe on, you know, if it, on, on all fronts. So what would it take for me to make my hashkafa with the Torah hashkafa to put it in line? But as Yerei Shemayim, you know, the, as as as, as um, at least um, aspiring Yerei Shemayim, that that should be the goal. And so again, you have to be very careful when it comes to political identification in, um, especially in American culture, where even if you want to believe that it's based on quote unquote Judeo Christian values, um, you know, the the very end of it. We, we look to the Torah. We don't, we don't look to necessarily the founding of America and what the founding fathers had in mind. Maybe in a political debate um, that's purely political, okay, but when we think about who we are as individuals, our hashkafa, it's very important to be um, a Jew first, an American section, a, Yer- a second, um, a Yari Shemayim first, and everything else, if at all, second, or maybe even not at all. Um, but I think... I think you get the idea, and that takes us through this Real Talk Torah. So from now, keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, 
Keep the Torah and keep the Torah hashkafa. Thanks for joining us here at the database.